Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This recording may contain content unsuitable for children. Hey everybody, welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Brian. And I'm Will. This is the podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons, from gregarious gargoyles to ghostly gondolas. And today's episode, we're talking about dwarves. It's dwarf time. Dwarf time. Prepare yourselves. I cast fireball. That's right, everybody. It's dwarf time. So what do you know about dwarves, Brian? Um, I know about Snow White and the Seven. Okay. Yeah, it's going way back. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and the, that was where I first saw dwarves. Um, okay. They, uh, they're goofy as hell, all hell. Um, well, I mean, they can be. I suppose those ones are. Yeah. Um, After that, it was um, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And Gimli's kind of goofy in his own overly serious way. I like yeah. Gimli. He, he's awesome. He's pretty um, cool. Yeah, I guess the the Seven Dwarfs might be most people's first introduction to dwarves. It's funny enough, actually, a lot of things about those dwarves kind of still ring absolutely true for current dwarves in D anD. d What about them? Well, you know, they they mine. They they they're like workers that uh, collect gems and whatnot, and they're you know they kind of live in caves. Yeah, what are they up to? There's they're living they're living alone. They're uh-huh. just hoarding shit well yeah i guess dwarves are usually uh um portrayed as pretty greedy um humanoids yeah and i mean i don't i can't speak for the seven dwarves in snow white i don't know what they were doing with all those diamonds quite frankly but like <laughs> you know i didn't see them in the house so i don't know where they were keeping them or what they were doing with them <laughs> i mean i don't want to i don't want to but <laughs> but theoretically they were hoarding them together yeah <laughs> um and doing nothing with them because they were greedy greedy dwarves um the the portrayal of the dwarves each like being named an emotion that's that I don't know where that came from that's just fairy tale stuff so I don't know yeah it seems it seems like a cool concept um you you were telling me that um one of those dwarves in particular kind of rings more true than the others uh, with uh, modern D and D dwarf I think yeah it's very uh, very much a trope that grumpy the dwarf is kind of like what we think of mostly when it comes to dwarves most dwarves are a bit grouchy they're a bit yeah. grumbly. It's just the grittiest dude. Yeah, yeah. They're a bit like they're just kind pessimistic of a jerk. and yeah. 
Yeah, they they show that tough love. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But. So, um, <clears throat> the next place I saw uh, dwarves was Lord of the Rings, and and those guys are they're pretty much doing the same shit that the seven dwarves are doing. I mean, they're they're all holed up together in uh, like a <clears throat> a cave or a mountain, and they're uh, they're getting their gold or whatnot. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Uh, now, Tolkien's dwarves are definitely like the main inspiration for D and D, less than the seven dwarves of Snow White. Um, Dwarves have a tendency to be um, cave dwellers. They live under the ground. They have dark vision because of that. They um, they tend to be grouchy. They tend to be very... I liken dwarves to stone. There's a lot of things that dwarves share with stone. They're sturdy like stone. They're unmoving like stone. They're stubborn like stone. Uh, they're, they live long and old lives like stone. And they live their entire lives within and around stone like um most dwarves are by default stone workers of some sort um or at least metalsmiths yeah they're working with um you know they're mining for gems or they're they're making weapons and mm-hmm. and digging indeed and uh not only not only are they always digging and trying to uh accumulate wealth over time but like they they like to create beautiful things with that wealth um Almost across the board, dwarves in 5th edition D&D and pretty much every iteration of D&D, they are craftsmen. They are creators. Uh, they they usually worship deities that are like forge gods of some sort or creation gods. Yeah. Um, and that's everything from like uh, from jewelry crafting with gems to goldsmithing, silversmithing, uh, just blacksmithing, weapons, armor, um, stoneworking. Like, I, I would say in most uh, D&D lore, like some of the greatest architecture in all the land is usually dwarven, dwarven architecture. Cool. Um, yeah. So dwarves, uh, they seem kind of xenophobic. What's that all about? Yeah, that's just another stereotype. You know, I, I, a lot of a lot of races and fantasies seem to be pretty xenophobic for some reason. They just stick together. Yeah, like um, humans will tend to be xenophobic. Elves are pretty xenophobic, and uh, and dwarves are definitely no exception. If anything, they're more xenophobic than some of the other races. Yeah, every time I see dwarves in fantasy, they're they're sticking together pretty good. Yeah, yeah, you know, uh, dwarves are pretty thick thieves. They're very clan oriented. They're very tribal. Um. And uh, they're very, I think that ties into them being uh, very steeped in their own tradition. Like, tradition means a lot to a dwarf. While elves do tend more towards chaotic natures, dwarves are almost always very lawful in nature, even if that's evil or, or neutral or good. Like, they usually, they have their rules, they play by their rules, they have their traditions, they honor their tradition, traditions, and it's a very rare dwarf to have an exception to that so much like elves would you say uh elves have their traditions as well but like elves most elven traditions are kind of about being free and untethered um whereas dwarves like to be in the mountain yeah in the mountain in with the their rules. people yeah, yeah they they have a i'm sure every dwarf child colors within the lines they operate under a hierarchy uh, uh yeah yeah i would say so uh they, they're very uh, uh hierarchy based. and they have uh strongholds i mean those are the stereotypes from watching the hobbit that i've gathered is like they're they're trying to fortify and be powerful yeah i mean dwarves uh they they tend to value loyalty they tend to value bravery um and honor those are things that dwarves uh value like above all other things besides like their inherent greed of like gold and gems and wealth and whatnot so if um, these are the things that dwarves value and uh, you want to run a dwarf in a D&D campaign, um, how are you getting your dwarf up off the couch and out of the house? 
Um, there, there's a bunch of ways you could. Uh, maybe the dwarf is out looking for a really rare ore. Maybe he's he's a he's a, um, an armorer or a weaponsmith, or maybe he um, is um, a jeweler or or something, and he he's out in the world looking for rare veins to mine and collect. Um, or maybe he's just a soldier who, um, after retirement from the military, just kind of had a bored life and. You know, he hasn't really gotten to, you know, exert his ability in combat and he, he wants to lead an adventuring life and maybe uh, kill some orcs and goblins, which that's another stereotype. Like dwarves have a deep, deep rooted hatred of goblins and orcs. They cannot stand them and they, they will kill them. And why would that be? Um, it's usually steeped in some sort of uh, lore in whatever campaign setting it happens to be, whether that's there was a war and like orcs... Uh, Oh, try to go get their the gold and stuff or yeah whatever. Or, or whatever it is like it's just it's just it's um <clears throat> it's an ongoing trope with dwarves that's been going on so long i don't even know where that comes from it's just it's just always been there cool um so dwarves do they practice combat a lot it seems like there's um some good weaponsmithing going on obviously yeah well you know as a race that prides themselves on on weapon craft and armor craft they also pride themselves on the ability to use that craft Hell yeah you know and Excellent. dwarves make some of the best fighters out there mechanically and flavor wise so what's um, the mechanical advantages of running dwarves okay so well before before we talk about that real quick there are in the Player's Handbook of 5th Edition D&D, two sub-races of dwarves, hill dwarves and mountain dwarves. And the differences between them are actually very minimal, and that's actually reflected in the mechanics. Like, all dwarves get about 80% of the same features, but then the sub-race divides it off a little bit, and they each get two, like, small features. Okay. But um, as far as I've, in all my reading of fantasy novels and of all my um, reading of the, the player, Player's Handbook, um, the differences between hill dwarves and mountain dwarves really comes down to one thing. Some live in the hills, some live in the mountains. <laughs> Very that's, minimal. That's about it. I think the mountain dwarves are a little bit more traditional, like the real the real stereotypical dwarves, like the real xenophobes, the real greedy ones. But like, yeah, that's up to you. Yeah, you have a place to you have a place to dig. Yeah. And it's probably uh, an okay place for a dwarf to be. So if you want a world build and expand your lore, man, I I've heard about beach dwarves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've uh, <laughs> well, we've a beach dwarf. There is a beach dwarf out there. Um, actually, I have a friend who DM'd for a bit, and he had a really cool concept going on where the dwarves in a great cataclysm were actually banished or uh, lost hold of their their earthly kingdoms and ended up being uh, nomads on the sea in ships, which is like really flipping that that on its head because dwarves in normal lore are like so earthbound yeah so earthbound and they abhor the idea of sea travel like, yeah it's like the worst thing on earth to them so uh hey, they must sink was, like stones yeah so they ended up having like a floating citadel and like ships and stuff i thought oh, it was, wow it was a really dope idea it was really uh, fucking cool that's cool um but back to the mechanics um so dwarves as i said before are like they're really sturdy like they're short they're shorter than most humans like i think most dwarves are anywhere from like three and a half to four and a half feet tall mm-hmm. at the max but despite being that tall, they weigh as much as like some of the tallest humans because they're so compact. It's a they're dense, like, dense yeah, humanoid. They're dense humanoids. They're like really well muscled, and because of that, all dwarves get a plus two to constitution. Sweet. So they're very enduring and they're very hardy. Um, that's also reflected in their dwarven resilience. They have advantage on saving throws against poison, and they have resistance against poison damage. Um, 
and it, that that goes that that's reflected in a lot of ways like dwarves are kind of stereotypically heavy drinkers and ah, it takes yeah. a lot to get them drunk right so they so just drink and drink it's, it's part of their dwarven resilience <laughs> you know so because alcohol cool. technically is poison and they resist poison yes so. excellent um uh, that, my, my character that i play um carries around a brewer's kit with him since he was uh since he's got a lot of dwarf influence going on in him and uh yeah drinking is uh part of his backstory just because of the culture yeah yeah i would like i would like to see and i'm surprised it hasn't happened like a real crazy drinking night with him and rosden oh man fun. yeah <laughs> it doesn't look like that's happening anytime no soon. no you guys are in a different situation that's not gonna happen anytime soon <laughs> um maybe if we have a dull night at camp and uh and my stuff is ready yeah <laughs> um Bro- brooded extra long bro oh geez. take it slow <laughs> <laughs> um i actually don't know anything about brewing beer sorry yeah yeah n- neither do i <laughs> maybe i should learn uh, maybe freeland might selling a little or a lot shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all in one e commerce platform to their in person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms, to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The Shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Hey everybody, I want to take this opportunity to thank you all for listening. We really appreciate the support. Um, we do host our podcast on soundcloud.com slash the dungeon cast, but you can get it through any of the distributors. I use pod, podcast addict. I like that one a lot. Um, iTunes is a popular one, of course. So if you are listening to us on iTunes, please give us a rating and a comment. We really appreciate that kind of traffic. Um, same goes for our show on YouTube. It's uh, just this show. 
<laughs> but uploaded to YouTube with a nifty little thumbnail that Will puts together. They look really nice. So if you want to go check those out, maybe give us a subscribe, uh, hit up some of our videos with some likes. That would help us a lot in the same way it would if you rated and commented on iTunes. Gets us a little bit of traffic, a little bit of uh, notoriety, and that would be really great for the show. Um, yeah, if you want to reach out to us, go ahead and uh, tweet at us at uh, the Dungeon Cast, or you can send us an email at gmail.com. Also, the Dungeon Cast, so the, the Dungeon Cast at gmail.com. Um, like I said, we really appreciate you guys, all, everyone who's out there listening. I'm having a really great time doing this show. I know Will is too. We're really happy with it, and we're happy that you're enjoying it also. Um, so thanks, everybody. Let's get back to it. As we said, dwarves are short, but despite them being short, um, they fall into the size category of medium, so they're not small like a halfling or a gnome, um, but they do suffer the penalty of being small when it comes to their speed. Um, they can only move 25 feet in. Um, uh, that's five feet below the average. Yes, it's usually 30 feet. But there's another trade-off in the other direction where uh, all, pretty much every other race will be slowed five feet in speed if they're wearing any type of heavy armor. Um, dwarves don't suffer from that. Hey, that's pretty cool. And that's partially just to keep them from having to walk yeah. 20 feet. If you're um, if you're not moving as quickly as another character, then you're probably going to need to take those extra hits. Yeah, yeah. And also, like, I mean, if, if dwarves were to suffer that, that extra five feet, like, having 20 feet of movement, that's so impairing when it comes to just getting anywhere in the fight. Like, whether, in, in, whether you're trying to get away or trying to get more into the fray, like, it's just, yeah, it's really... Um, Really, really horrible. Yeah, you've got to tough it out. As we said before, all dwarves get dark vision because um, theoretically they spend a good amount of their time underground. So they have to be able to see well in the dark. Right. Um, and then you were asking me about dwarves and combat training. Combat training is so much part of dwarven culture. All dwarves, in fact, get the feature dwarven combat training. Cool. Which gives them proficiency in battle axes, hand axes, throwing hammers, and war hammers. Nice. Which are really traditionally dwarven weapons. Dwarves don't usually use swords, but like I've seen plenty of dwarves use swords. So Yeah, why not? It doesn't really I mean, matter. Hammers are cool, like flavor, definitely. Yeah. But yeah. dwarf sword, I mean, are they holding... What kind of swords are you picturing right now that a dwarf would uh wield um i, I could see a dwarf with like a like a heavy set long sword in one hand because they're they're strong creatures and they can do that yeah i picture the dwarven sword the dwarven uh swords from uh skyrim or any of the elder scrolls games okay. so they got that golden kind of tinge yeah. to them and they're a little like sturdier looking yeah for the next feature, all dwarves get a specific uh, tool proficiency. You basically have the choice between three. Um, as a dwarf, you're proficient in either smithing tools, uh, brewer's tools, or um, mason tools, which is like stone crafting and cutting and right sculpting and all that stuff. So that's just that's just a way of saying like, as a dwarf, like you're going to know at least one of these because if you're steeped in your own culture, how could you not? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. So um, the thing, like smithing is pretty obvious. You know, you can think up of uh, like dwarven craft. Uh, just generally, those are great weapons. You're If you get one, it's probably going to be good. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, brewing, you know, we talked about the booze. They probably make great booze, high quality liquor because they need a lot to get drunk. Yeah, that's dwarven um, ale. What about this? Let's talk. Can we talk about the stone stuff a little bit? Because I guess, yeah, I, sure. the only thing I can think of is maybe a statue or like the castle that they build uh, within the mountain, like the keeps that they have yeah, and stuff. Yeah, structures and and uh, statues and uh, it's more probably about like, like the removal Walls. of stone. 
Um, yeah, I guess so. Well, and the yeah, shaping, stone quarries, you know, mining stone. Yeah, you would you would be proficient in all that stuff. All their bridges inside um, and like staircases. Those are probably stone and. Yeah, I would say so. Well, is there the, anything? What I'm trying to say is like, is there something I'm missing? Is there like a um, a thing dwarves do with stone that's like renowned um, in lore or anything like that? Like, are they great statue makers? They I'm are. Never... Yeah, that's that's exactly what they are. They're they're fantastic st- statue makers. Usually, in most books I've read with dwarves, like uh, their techniques and their their skill work with stone is so renowned that like others other races can't even figure out how they did it. It's just like magnificent and beyond what we're capable of as human beings. Cool. Let's start some uh, HGTV uh, dwarf stonemaking. Yeah. Improve your home. (laughs) Uh, Call Um, your dwarf contractor. He's the host of the show. To expand on the stone thing, uh, all dwarves actually get another feature called stone cunning. God, they get so many goddamn features. Um, This one is basically you get... You get to make whenever you make an intelligence check related to the origin of stonework, you are considered proficient in the history skill for that role and add double your proficiency bonus to the check. So like stonework is so ingrained in dwarven culture that like even your basic peasant dwarf knows a lot about it and can tell you all about it. He probably like just by looking at a building can tell you like when it was made or like when that stone was quarried and like that's freaking yeah, cool. Maybe even where the stone came from. Like, oh, that stone actually comes from the southern car- continent of Alaron. Blah 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 blah. Hell yeah. yeah. Um. So my character Rohan does not have that. No, no. <laughs> that's you are not too a dwarf. Deep. Too yeah. deep. Yeah, a little too dwarven. Cool. Um. Um, now it's not listed here in the player's handbook, but I mean, I, I remember things about dwarves where like if they were underground, they couldn't lose their sense of direction or it's very difficult for them to become lost underground, like because of their attunement with stone. Cool. Um, and, and then after that, uh, of course, all dwarves speak dwarvish, or I prefer to call it dwarven because I think dwarvish sounds (laughs) silly, but whatever, whatever floats your boat. Um, but then there's the sub races. Which I told you there's a very small difference. Um, the hill dwarves um, are supposed to have a little bit keener senses and deeper intuition. So they get a plus one to their wisdom score. Cool. Um, making them probably a little bit better clerics, a little bit better druids, but maybe a monk. That'd be cool. A dwarf monk. That'd be what, interesting. What, um, I'm, is there a... I'm kind of starting to see a theme here because um, I'm learning as we make this, as we record these shows, I'm learning so much about this game. Right. Um, I'm starting to see trends with uh, things with high wisdom and they usually live for a long time um, or longer than a human, I guess. Yeah, maybe a little. Well, let's see. There's elves and there's dwarves. Mm-hmm. Um, what else gets a wisdom bonus off the top of my head? Well, um, I mean, I guess now that I think about it, they live a long time yes. and they, they use that time like st- like collecting and gathering knowledge and knowledge yeah. i think i think you're on to something there i think that the reason that they have the stereotypes and therefore the ability scores comes from the fact that probably in a lot of the early works containing these these races uh the nature of living that long kind of makes you smarter makes you wiser so a lot of dwarves in these stories are wise a lot of elves in these stories are wise and thus when D came out and it came to applying numbers to what they can and can't do it's probably why they got those abilities. Yeah, started. it has to be based in lore. I, yeah, I, well, yeah. not half. It doesn't have yeah. to, but but it, yeah, so it makes uh, sense to do that. So yeah, I would, I would actually, uh, we should look into that as we we're going over the races and see like I was if, thinking they, maybe, if they get a wisdom bonus, like how long do they live? Yeah, let's try to figure out the patterns here, <laughs> yeah. or maybe there's information out there that I don't know about that yeah. um, you know kind of deals with how they went about building this stuff because there are people making this game and uh, 
bless them. Yeah, <laughs> bless them. Thank you, thank you so much. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, uh, Hildorfs get that wisdom bonus, um, and then they get a really dope ability called Dwarven Toughness. Which check this one out: your hit point maximum increases by one, and it increases by one every time you gain a level. So oh wow, yeah. So you basically per level you get one extra HP, which at first isn't much. But that adds up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And 1 HP is a lot more than it used to be when it comes to this game. Like, 1 HP is a lot. Yeah, by the time you're level 10, you have 10 extra HP. Like, that's a, that's a round sometimes. Yeah, sometimes, yeah. Absolutely. Um, or, or, you know, that's, you know, 10, 10 damage can be the difference between a hit and a crit. So, True. maybe a crit doesn't hit you quite as hard. Well. <laughs> well, I mean, it's going to hurt. But, yeah. But, but you, like, bu- you, you can take more crits. Right. So, Mountain Dwarves are next. Because that's that's it. That's all hill dwarves get. That's different from like the base dwarf race. It's just those two things: one to wisdom, extra HP. That's it. Uh, mountain dwarves, same deal. Um, mountain dwarves, I guess, are hardier. I guess they're more rugged, and they're used to living in tougher terrain. So they get a plus two to strength. Now that's actually pretty outstanding because that means that a mountain dwarf gets a plus two to con and a plus two to strength with a total of plus four. Most of the races are not getting that. Most of the races are getting a plus two to one, plus one to another. Yeah, that's some big meat. Yeah, so uh, yeah, a mountain dwarf fighter, he's he's gonna fuck some shit up. Um, so plus two to strength, and then they, on top of their dwarven combat training, they get dwarven armor training, which kind of sticks out as a little odd to me because it says here that with dwarven armor training, you have proficiency with light and medium armor. That's fine. I think that's totally balanced, but it's just weird because when I think of dwarven armor. I do not think of light or medium armor. I think of plate armor. I think of scale or chain mail. Like I think of heavy armor. Something to complement their their already meaty bodies. Yes, but you know, in defense of the creators of the game, um, the fact that they get a plus two to strength, a plus two to constitution. If you gave them heavy heavy armor proficiency built into their race, no, no matter what class it is they're rolling, that's OP. That's overpowered, especially at the low levels. Like uh, yeah, okay. The, so yeah, um, and that's pretty much it when it comes to the um, the mechanics like here in the player's handbook. Uh, there might be some variations in other books. I don't think so. But one thing I would like to just mention we're not going to get into is there is a third, um, not quite a sub race, but there is a third version of dwarves um, that are considered evil. Not the beach dwarf. Not the beach dwarf. <laughs> no, no. The beach dwarf is the chillest dwarf around. But uh the Duergar, or otherwise known as Grey Dwarves. Now, they are kind of like what Drow are to elves, where like, they live in the Underdark and they're evil. Same thing with the Duergar. They live in the Underdark and they're evil. Okay. And I've seen the lore on them change from edition to edition. I remember in 4th edition, Duergar were like really strongly connected with the Nine Hells and Devils. And 5th edition, I don't think it's quite like that. But that's all for an episode later. Yeah, the we'll nine do- hells. That's the brand new terminology oh, yeah. there. Oh yeah, yeah. And and sounds we'll do, like Dante's we'll Inferno. Do, <laughs> we'll do an entire um, hell. We're doing an entire episode on the nine hells, but we'll do an entire episode on the Duergar, and cool. we'll just talk about all that. But just just let you know, it's out there. I don't think it's a playable race yet, but it might be at some point. Who knows? So if um, it's, I remember when we were talking about Drow. It's like you could play a Drow, but some DMs won't let you because that's considered like an evil creature. That's yeah. like an enemy. You can't play as the enemy if you're yeah. running, especially if you're running a hero style campaign. Mm-hmm. Most most DMs that, that feel that way, they are DMs who come from older editions where um, the Drow was just it was always a monster. It was never a playable race, and now that it is, it, it it weirds them out. Like that doesn't make sense to them. Right? Okay, I get it. 
But like, I think what a lot of people forget when it comes to things like that is that just because uh, dark elves or Duergar are evil in the core lore in the in the official like, you don't have any lore of your own, so use ours. Right, um, the vanilla stuff. It's there for that. It's there for that. Yeah, but um, most DMs are running their own campaigns with their own lore, and like, you know, any of these things can be whatever you want. Do you know how, what if halflings are like vicious, rabid barbarian creatures that yeah. live out in tribes, and everyone's afraid of them? Like, they could, they could be, they could be whatever you want them to be. Yeah, I mean, I've been seeing a lot of Star Wars campaigns where, like, I don't know, all your characters are Jedi and they have lightsabers, but then you just build the mechanics around that. I mean, you could do whatever you want. Yes, absolutely, you can. Um. So yeah, so like, um, obviously, if Drow are evil in their in your world, maybe you don't want your players to be playing them because yeah, like that could be a serious issue. But um, yeah, it's a style choice. It's like, a style choice, definitely. Um, but yeah, Duergar kind of fill that same role. That's as cool. So they drow. so they live in the Underdark with the Drow. Um, yeah, well, not, well, not probably not with them. Not yeah. side by side. They're not usually buddies of any kind or sort. Because Underdark um, is as big as your map probably yeah yeah the underdark and that's another that's another episode we'll talk about the underdark which sprawls usually throughout um the size of a continent you know yep but yeah back to dwarves let's this is that's the focus of this episode right um so those meaty little you, guys you told me when you were building your fighter you almost built a dwarf almost almost and they're pretty and sweet what was attracting you to dwarves um the um you know, I don't have an opportunity in real life to be like to be a short bearded to, man. To be a short bearded man, I was built differently. No, I, uh, I, I the, like the greedy aspect of them and how they're like kind of self serving. You know, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, in real life, that's not. Um, I don't want to be like that. But this is a role playing game, and it's mm-hmm. a chance to be something that I'm usually not. Don't have the opportunity to be. I just it really called out to me. But I was like, you know what. Um, I don't, I think I'm guilty of something you told me, which is like new characters want to play um, somebody kind of nimble that can get away from danger. Yeah. Um, I, I've noticed that a lot when it comes to new players. Yeah. Not that there's, any, there's nothing wrong with that. I've just noticed it. Yeah. I mean, um, I can attribute it as being experienced as a new player um, to, um, I don't know what's going to happen like almost ever. It's all the monsters are new and all the dangers are new and I don't know how squishy most guys are. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's it's nice to be able to get away. But I'm finding that even though I designed a character that's kind of like that, I can't really get away from anything that, <laughs> you know, when you're in combat, you're you're in combat. Yeah, it's true. That's very true. Um, I do like my new feet, though. Uh, which feet? Oh, oh yeah, the uh... oh yeah, the feet's called mobile, and, um, and it what make, does it do? It makes it so um, basically I can like run up and attack a guy, and then run away, and it doesn't provoke opportunity attacks. Oh yeah, you don't have to disengage in order to get away. Yeah, yeah it also up my movement speed by ten feet, I believe. Nice. And uh, when I use a dash action, which I will be uh, probably doing in the next camp and the next campaign uh, or the next game we play in our campaign, uh, it allows me to go 80 feet instead of like 60 holy so, crap okay yeah Jesus. yeah man I, um, that guy if that guy's in range i'm gonna go grab him yeah if i've been learning anything over the last few sessions is that you guys are getting harder and harder to kill yeah it's um <laughs> it's kind of nice um in the <laughs> fight now. in the for fight now. before this one i was i went down so it's it's kind of yeah, cool yeah. to come in and stomp it was kind of like it reminded me of the last time we fought orcs uh-huh. uh because we went in and stopped stomped out those guys yeah pretty quick yeah too. the dorks the, the dorks the orcs are not uh not posing the threat i kind of wanted them to so well we'll, well see not, yet, anyway. not yet anyway anyways <laughs> it's cool um 
So, um, oh yeah. So, but you decided not to go with the dwarf, and that was more for the nimble reason. Was that why? Um, like, yeah, I kind of. I, well, I also wanted to run um, something I had no experience in, and um, like the elemental thing is really cool. Yeah, it is. It's pretty dope. Yeah, um, so I just picked, um, you know, air was cool because, yeah, it let me get away and stuff. I, I thought of somebody that, I also wanted to do parkour, which I've done a couple times, and it's been mm-hmm. really fun. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I you would think that in all my years of playing D&D, like, I would have seen more than a few people play dwarves and i'm be honest i i almost never see it i almost never see people play dwarves and it's a damn shame because dwarves are badass like i've played some dwarves in one shots mostly but uh both both dwarves i played i played a dwarven paladin and i played a dwarven fighter and they were both badasses on the battlefield it was great it was a lot of fun to play and it was a lot of fun to uh kind of play a kind of character that isn't so careful and this like yeah, traps. They, they don't have to be. Don't give a shit. I'm walking down this hallway. I'll take whatever <laughs> the traps, you know, have to give. You know, I'm I'm kicking this door down. Why? Because I'm a damn dwarf and I'm not waiting, you know, I'm not sneaking around. So that sounds like uh, was, Acquisitions kind of Inc. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where uh Benwin, like he he charges the door. <laughs> so uh Right. Yeah. Um one of one of the things I've noticed when it comes to dwarves, um, when it comes to naming dwarves, and a lot of dwarven lore is dwarves all seem to have last names that are very uh they just take two words and mash them together uh, it's like <laughs> fireforge or war hammer or hammer strong or strong jaw or stone jaw or whatever <laughs> i like it i think it, it's really campy it's it's really cheesy and i love it it's it's great but that's um, fun and i think like for you for uh your dwarven kind of cohorts in your backstory they have uh-huh. a name like that right yeah they do uh, uh the orforged uh, like, orforged uh, yeah. volcar volcar yeah which volcar that's that's a very dwarvenesque name like uh first name cuz like and this goes all the way back to of course uh tolkien as many of these things do you're going to hear that a billion times in this podcast um but uh in in tolkien dwarves and since then a lot of dwarven names have been very nordic or germanic yes and uh yeah volcar just that rings dwarf to me so cool man yeah yeah so so it sounds like dwarves are are really good at com- in a combat situation yeah um they they're, can be, yeah. they're really good sounding for like tra- traversing a dungeon especially one that's underground or something yeah, like that definitely um and i know you said that there was a campaign where um all these dwarves uh, got exiled and were basically forced to be on ships and things like that. Right, right. Um, but dwarves don't like that. Where where do dwarves um, suffer? Like, what what are their weaknesses and flaws in a uh, campaign setting? I mean, you're usually your dwarf's gonna have probably have a shit dexterity, so yeah. spells are gonna fuck him up. Uh, any anything where he needs to get somewhere fast or do something dexterous, he's probably going to not yeah. do so well. Dex saving throws bad are at, bad yeah. at stealth. I mean, but at the same time, like it doesn't have to be like that just because that's what the ability scores in the player's handbook kind of uh, lean towards. Yeah, like you can build that dwarf however you want, and he could be real lean and dexterous. And I, I really like the idea of a dwarf and a monk. I just think that's fucking cool. Oh, like, sweet. Like maybe like a cool drunken style monk. That'd be fucking cool. That'd be super cool. Um, <laughs> He's got a special liquor in his pocket. Yeah, it's like a Jackie yeah. Chan thing. And, like, and that kind of gives the excuse of like uh, that you can kind of fit the mechanics there where you have to be proficient in um, an artisan tool. You pick obviously brewers. Kit. Yeah. Now it makes sense. Why are you brewing all this like yeah, that's hard really liquor? Cool. Because well, it's part of your fighting style. You yeah, know, I can't. Uh, I can't fight sober. What? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that'd be really cool. Um, Sweet. 
Yeah. Um, um, but so they have the dark vision. Um, mm-hmm. But it doesn't seem like they have problems going out during the day. No, not like dark elves where they got the sunlight sensitivity. Yeah. So they. Oh. Um, I mean, I guess they're just like socially just pretty rough to deal with. They can be. Yeah. Yeah. You very rarely have I seen a charismatic dwarf. Um, where do you populate your dwarves in your world? Are they in towns? Are they? I've seen some elves scattered across the land, and I but I haven't mm-hmm. seen any dwarves outside of uh, our home base, which is a pretty eclectic group of right of people, and also it's a heavy dwarven population there because yeah. it's a very dwarven esque kind of culture. Um, yeah, most of the dwarves in my world have like so there are some like seriously developed and um, prominent dwarven kingdom cities, kind of like embedded in the mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, but you guys haven't really ventured far too far south. It just so happens that like where you guys are right now is a very secluded, uh, region that is like very like classic fantasy where it's just like there are humans and there are some halflings and like there are elves on the outskirts and like dwarves are known about, but it's very, it's the opposite of Baron's Gate where it's like a whole cornucopia of races. This is a very, uh, homogeneous, if you will. Okay. Um, but yeah, if you if you were to venture south in like some of the major trade cities, there's going to be dwarves there, they're, and they're going to be different than the dwarves that you've met so far. Like there right. are, there's going to be cultural differences. I did run across one smith, one uh, blacksmith dwarf. Um, I forgot what town we were in. It was last. It was um, Fallcrest. That's right. It was yeah. a pretty major place yeah. that we went to. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. Yeah, he yeah he was he was pre- he was pretty run of the mill dwarf. Yeah, yeah, I mean he was. I think just... he had a Scottish accent and everything. That's <laughs> so, there it's it true. But uh. But yeah, so um, yeah, dwarves, dwarves, though they, for the most part, follow the stereotypes you'll see um, in my world. There are a little bit of differences you'll probably find out later. Cool. All right, everybody. And with that, we're going to call it a game. We're going to summon the Sage GM now. So uh, everybody do your thing. Believe. You just got to believe. Hey, everybody. Sage DM here with your Sage DM advice for the week. Remember... Next time you attend the royal ball, put the lotion in your motion and the glide in your slide. You're welcome for that one. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.